the Confidence Mastery Podcast. I am your host, as always, Natalie Bailey. Today, you are going to be hearing a very, very interesting conversation with the amazing Dawn Lucht. Have I done it wrong? No, that's good. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, funny story though, Natalie, my te- uh, you know the forms on your exam papers when you're at school? They never had enough boxes for me. And so um, I used to have to add it on at the end because it's Lush de Freiburg, my whole surname. And my teachers just just say to me, can I just call you Dawn? I'm like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I have so, a real thing about getting people's names wrong, which is why I always ask before if it's something I think that I'm not going to be able to pronounce, then I'm going to have to just call you Dawn because there's no way I could get your your whole surname there. <laughs> it's all good. I mean, my partner's still learning, so you know. <laughs> Dawn, thank you so much for joining us. I'm very excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. I'm really delighted. Amazing. So, would you please give the listeners a quick or long up to you <laughs> introduction into you, who you are, what you do, and who you help, and then we can dig into it. Yes, absolutely. So um, I am a relationship coach. I focus on three main coaching activities. The first is getting to know your inner world, and that includes your past and how it affects your present, getting to create awareness about your trauma, your patterns, your thoughts, your mindset, your behaviors. The aim is to help you be the most connected and loving to yourself. The next one is creating, therefore, so you've done your inner work. It's not necessarily that it flows on from one to the other, but that's how it sounds. Um, The next is you create your outer world. So you become self-leadership. How do you lead in your own life now that you understand yourself more and you connect to what you want, how you want it, how you want to create it, which kind of includes the same sort of thing. So mindset, behaviors, um, ways of showing up, challenging yourself, upper limits, all that kind of stuff. And then um, the third part of what I do is relationship coaching. And that can is, that is about relationships because I love relationships. I love love. I love connections. I love intimacy. I love just my friends. I love my family. I love my boyfriend, my child, and I want to have the best relationships that I can with them. Um, And I've come from a place where I had um, uh, much, much, much um, abuse in my last relationship. It was very, very violent, emotionally, mentally, physically. And through my journey of coming out of that and knowing as my guiding light that I wanted to create a life full of deep connection and intimacy and love, I have created um, a pathway of the fundamental tools and the more expansive tools of how to create that in our lives. Um, And so I work with people who are looking to create a healthy relationship for themselves or who are already in a relationship and want to upgrade it, basically. Mm -hmm. Upgrade your relationship. I like that. (laughs) And why not? Yes. I I think that a lot of relationships, they're they're quite 
bad and toxic and unserving to both parties. But often the person that's on the receiving end of the traumatic abuse kind of thing often doesn't know it. Oh, my God. So true. So how how do you help people to spot this in order to, to maybe leave or upgrade? Um, I don't really encourage people to leave their relationships mm-hmm. what I, because I I don't know what impact them looking at themselves is going to do to their relationship. I, yeah. I'm not, I'm definitely no way God, right? So I'm just going to assume that I know shit about an outcome. I'm not interested in that to a point. What I am yeah. interested in is you focusing on you. What is the healthiest way you can have a relationship with yourself? Yeah. And then just by its very definition, you start to go, ah, I need to work on my boundaries. I need to show up differently. I need to uh, speak up or I need to learn how to be kind to myself. I need to learn how to not be so self-critical to myself. And then when we start to do that, we're like, hey, hang on a second. I don't want you speaking to me like that either. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, for some people, they just get into ingrained negative patterns of resentment mostly. And when you really work on your reasons for having resentment, then you can start explaining them to the person that you're with. And actually, most of the time, miracles can happen. But it is a different set of tools, really, if you're in an abusive relationship. And Mm. that takes time. Like it really, I didn't know I was in an abusive relationship until it all exploded. And then one of my friends sent me a link to the Women's Refuge website. And on the front page, it said something like eight ways to know if you're in an abusive relationship. And I had like seven out of the eight of them. And I just sat there shaking on my sofa, letting that realization kind of reverberate into my body and then thinking, well, now what? Like, I can't unsee it now. And like you said, I think often what we tend to do is, well, this is what happened to me. And I see it in many of my clients is we just think this stuff is normal, like there's so much of it in on TV or on soap operas and people are just mean and rude to each it, Have you ever, <laughs> uh, I'm going off on one now, have you ever re-looked at Friends? Have you ever re-looked at the relationship between Ross and Rachel? Mm-hmm. Because if you look at it now through your adult eyes, it's likely you would go, that's extremely toxic. Yeah. The way that they behave with each other. Or maybe you thought that at the time, but I didn't. I was just like, oh, one day they will get together and, you know, it'll all be lovely. Yeah. But when actually they're both being very jealous of each other, sabotaging them, being with other people, all of that. And that's that's not healthy. Well, they don't communicate either. No, so instead no. of communicating, they stonewall, they give each other the cold shoulder, they try and make a big drama out of it. And I mean, obviously that makes for good TV and people are interested in drama. But these are the role models we're looking at. Exactly. And then when you have that normalised, you can't see it for yourself when things are like that for you because it's like, oh, so well, they're, they're doing it on Friends. Mm, yeah. That must be okay. 
Um, And, you know, um, in all honesty, there aren't that many relationships where both parties know how to communicate. Mm. So there is a lot of resentment. There is a lot of um, moaning and bitching about each other. And then people gather together and moan a bit bitch about their partners and then it just becomes normalized rather than somebody just going oh do you think we all need to upgrade our tools here (laughs) (laughs) do we need to learn how to communicate everybody you know obviously um the answer is yes uh but it's perpetuated repeatedly for sure i'm glad that you said that about not helping people to leave a relationship but instead looking at themselves so they can come to a realization by themselves yeah because I think one of the first things uh, for confidence in any situation is to be better connected with yourself yes and you know the the longest relationship you're ever going to have is with you yes exactly that exactly and so many people like are so mean to themselves and beat themselves up and um, you know, I'm I'm still guilty of it. Like I'm looking at the videos and the, the pictures from the retreats going, that one's great. I don't like that one. I don't like that one. I don't like that bit. And then being mean to myself and then going, hang on a minute. But you like all of these ones. What's the difference? There is no difference other than your perception, which is, is actually being mean to yourself. And all I've done all, all week is tell people to be kind to themselves. <laughs> So practice what you preach, and that's do 10 press-ups. Because we have we have this in, in the mastermind group. It's negative, 10 press-ups, 10 burpees. Um, mm-hmm. it's just like a little a little thing we do. Um, like that. <laughs> it's it's that connection, isn't it? Um, going back to that and being, you know, kind to yourself, recognizing when things may go wrong, but then communicating with yourself and understanding that you know it's okay to not be okay with some things and how do you get people to a point of recognition and recognizing these traits that they have I mean I think on the whole everybody is at a different it's all about self-awareness right everybody's at a different stage of self-awareness most people so and the different levels of coaching that I do invites somebody who's already self-reflective and then other people who are kind of new to it so I said I guess if you're brand new to self-awareness and you're coming across this for the first time like wanting to become aware of your patterns and what's going on for you then it it's about well I'd start off with journaling because that's the first point where you're going to say to yourself actually what is going on Um, And I find that a lot of people, and you'll know exactly what I mean, have spent their whole lives numbing out, being busy, being um, addicted to shopping, addicted to sex, addicted to drugs, alcohol, whatever. Our phones, drama, addicted to drama. Wow, that's another big one. And so the moment you start to, uh, and that's just because we're afraid of our emotions, right? We are, because once you start to peek under that carpet, you're like, oh, or blanket. You're like, mm-hmm. no, I can't unlook it. And now what am I going to find? Mm-hmm. So I would say that's where it starts. All of this 
transformation or upgrading or whatever starts with asking the question, what am I doing? And then why am I doing that? The why is huge, like so huge. And I I believe that we often do things through repetition, through habit, or, you know, not even thinking about it and not realising that there are sometimes some not very good things behind the reason that you're doing it. Um, So unless you recognise that, you're not going to be able to replace that with something that does serve you. Mm -hmm. And that's especially true um, when you're in some sort of abusive situation of any kind and self-abusive, like you were saying, being mean to yourself is a form of violence. But equally, I was uh, mentally and emotionally violent towards myself, but I also had that in my life. And because of the thoughts that I was thinking about myself, it created behaviors and situations that reinforced that. Mm. And then that's what you're working with is just these repeated behaviors that become ingrained and you don't even realize you're doing it. Yeah. So other than seeing that... um seven out of eight on that list and like was that the catalyst that helped you go holy fuck I need out of it no (laughs) what what actually happened was I was very 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 unhappy for the majority of my marriage and I didn't know because when you're in a narcissistic relationship and it's abusive a lot of the time uh there's a Jekyll and Hyde personality so you will have somebody who's can be really mean and then on the same hand is generous and kind and potentially loving and and so this dichotomy is confusing so I spent a long time going well is he an asshole or is he really lovely which one of these is true and where I got to eventually was both of them are true and now what do I want for myself Mm -hmm. but ultimately there was a whole heap of stuff that happened that he did that pushed it over the edge to a point where I couldn't ignore it anymore. Um, some A whole heap of stuff came to light um, uh, about infidelities and just massive amounts of a whole different world of life that he had that I had no idea that was happening. Um, and at, at that point, my son was almost two, and I thought to myself, what kind of man do I want to raise? Like this is the the defining point. If I don't do this for me, can I do it for him? Because I would feel this massive sense of the weight of responsibility for the formation <laughs> of this. It's you're right. A massive weight of responsibility for his emotional, mental, and uh, spiritual well being, and I couldn't. He became he started to become scared of his um of the situation and I couldn't stay in that. So all of it all together meant that I had this circuit breaker opportunity that I decided that that was it. And I and I was terrified. Not only was I terrified of retribution, but I was terrified of being on my own. I was terrified that I didn't have the skills to to be able to be a single parent. I was terrified of how to work for myself, you know, or for anything else and just to make it all work. And on top of that, I had been mentally, emotionally and uh, verbally abused for 12 years. 
And I, my self-esteem was absolutely rock bottom. So it was a whole heap of things that happened, which made me go. And actually, what was it? There was this, the warrior inside of me was still alive. And it was a flicker, but she was there. And I can feel her now. Like in my head, I've always had this image of sort of a Joan of Arc type uh, personality, which is like, right, let's rise, let's go, off we go. And she had been put down for so long that I didn't know if she was still there. But that rebellious nature within me just went, no, you know what? We're done. We're done here. You, you've tried hard enough. And I just took a leap of faith. Uh, and that was it. Like, I, I didn't have anything in place when I left. I just thought, I can't, I just can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And my overriding thought when I came out of, the, out of that relationship was, how do I make sure that my son doesn't uh, develop these same personality or uh, behaviors? And all of the books I was reading said, it starts with you. And I was like, no, close the book, move on. And the next one, it starts with you. And I was like, no, that is, I want to fix him, not me. And then in the end, I was I got the message. And so I thought, okay, well, if it starts with me, I'm going to own this like you wouldn't believe. And I'm going to find out all of the reasons why I was a match to this situation and never do it again. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what I've done. But in the process, I've learned about mindset, about heart healing, about emotions, about narcissism, about abuse and trauma, PTSD. I've learned about myself. I've learned about other people, I've learned about how to communicate and have relationships and all of the stuff. And it's amazing and wonderful, mm. but it's been hardcore. It's a very powerful thing to have come out the other side and um, do all of that and understand, you know, who you are and being a better version of you, not just for you, but for your son as well. I hope that you recognise that and are proud of that as well. I'm sure you are. <laughs> you know, uh, I think once upon a time I would have gone, no, 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 don't say that, no. And now... Uh, I realized that that's a crock of shit and I really, really have to be careful to not push away uh, validation, confirmation, um, just accept it. So I'm just going to say thanks. (laughs) The gift of a compliment. That's it. We actually have an episode on compliments and them being a gift. And imagine someone, someone's, you know gives you a gift and you you open it and just toss it away how is that person going to feel if you do that in front of them that's exactly what you do when you you don't accept a compliment and and I think that again that that's some self-acceptance and some connection with yourself as well um and I, I find it interesting that you said about what kind of man do I want to raise as well um, and because kids pick up on stuff, don't they? They pick up on everything. And I find that a lot of people that I hear, they say about they're staying together for the kids and rather being in, in that family unit than looking after their own happiness and understanding that the kids may be better off 
if you're not together yeah. what would you say to to people in that situation I mean I, I've often thought about that question too and what would be my stock reply to that uh but my reply now is for whom and when because there are some children who really need that stability uh there are some children who couldn't care less what the I mean not couldn't care less but certainly seem less affected by um living in two houses and things like that it really comes down to so each child is different and how they're going to take that breakup is completely different even within the same family mm-hmm. uh what I would like to role model is no matter whether you stay together or are apart as parents is that you take responsibility for your own behaviors if you do that then it really significantly impacts not only the relationship of you and your child but also you and your spouse and then that you can role model whatever kind of relationship or uh, setup that you want to have with your child it doesn't really matter whether you're together or apart as long as you're not being absolute shitheads to each other that's really the most important key thing are you kind are you being intentional with your words are you being loving are you being boundaried are you saying nice things what are your children picking up on Mm -hmm. and then you do what's right for you you know Yeah. yeah I like that a lot and then when people are in a relationship and they're struggling to communicate, like maybe there's one of them that wants to fix it and the other one's burying their head in the sand and won't talk about it. How do you recommend people start communicating better so that things maybe can be saved or looked after or whatever phrase you want to insert there at the end? <laughs> That's a really common experience I come across. Mm. and. Unfortunately, it is mainly the women who are wanting to do the work and be introspective and the men who bury their heads in the sand and are avoidant. Mm. I mean, you could argue that that is because uh, that's the way society has raised them and that is for men and it's reinforced at every single opportunity on the most part that they don't have relationship with their own emotions or themselves and they don't know how to handle it certainly don't know how to be vulnerable and intimate um on the whole uh and so bearing your head in the sand is the easy way out however women also struggle with their emotions and expressing them in a non um gaslighty or volatile way as well so when it comes to whichever partner isn't working on it at the end of the day for you to have a really healthy relationship both people need to show up mm-hmm. there really isn't a way around that however um you can make a big difference with the way that you relate to yourself and therefore relay that information back to your partner that could create space and space within the relationship. So let's say uh, a woman is, she has a whole emotional world going on and, you know, uh, she's um, expecting her man to be a mind reader because that's a really big thing that happens. And um, 
she gets really resentful and kind of martyry about it because she wants her man to, if she really, if he really loves her and gets her, then he'll know how she's feeling. And the man just doesn't on the mm. whole get it. And that's fine because we are made differently. So if you can learn to have a more mature relationship with your own emotions and understand them, love them, and then be able to express them in a way that your partner can understand, then already that means that the man can receive what you're offering instead of it just being a load of noise. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so already just by doing that, you're shifting the dynamic within the relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, but my partner and I have been running some communi communication courses for couples. And as long as both parties really want to um, work on their communication, it, what we've seen is that it has massive transformational um, effects because the number one thing that both people want is to be validated mm -hmm. and heard. Okay, even if you don't agree with each other, the you like I can't express just how much and how transformational it is for both people to go, oh, I really feel like you've heard me. Mm -hmm. I really feel understood by you, even if you don't agree. And from that point, you're that's where the space comes in. That's where you create an opening for both people to then communicate and connect, right? create connection and teamwork and understanding and um intimacy from that point it's very difficult if the other person doesn't want to or won't speak about it or thinks that everything's okay and the other person's like well no hold on no no it's not um and if that if, if that person's getting that like barrier what's the best way to figure out in a person how they want to be communicated with i mean is is a bit like well simply put you can't mm -hmm. right it is so almost impossible not impossible but almost impossible to talk to somebody who doesn't want to be spoken to because what you're you're doing is going into their space and trying to drag something out of somebody else's personal space into yours to make a connection and when the other person's saying no i don't want that connection the, to them, that feels like a violent uh, reaction. Yeah. To you, it feels like a violent reaction also because they're pulling away and not engaging. That's where often the resentment comes in. Um, I would say at that point, some very hard truths need to be laid on the table. Um, not stop the pussy fitting around. Don't be mean. Don't say you should be like this. You should be like that. Do this. Do that. No, that doesn't help. But in fact, that just pushes the other person away more. But maybe write them a letter, not like fifteen pages like Rachel did. And fell asleep. Yeah, exactly. Fell asleep. But from the heart, write to say. My intention is to connect with you. I really want this relationship to work. And at the moment, I know that communication between us needs to happen and it's not. Mm -hmm. And if things carry on the way that they are, then it's going to break down. 
It's not going to, it cannot keep working. Um, the only time that it can keep working is if both partners are happy with not talking about anything. I don't know many who who are like that, but it does happen, right? Mm. So a letter can be useful or a text message or WhatsApp or whatever, just to really emphasize the point. Mm-hmm. And then if that person is then receptive and open to it, some people who are avoidant attachment styles, they need time to process their response. So don't just automatically assume that because they've read the letter 24 hours later, if they love you enough, they will be ready because that's not how it works either. Mm-hmm. Sometimes avoidance uh, need two weeks, maybe sometimes just to feel how they feel, decide what they want to do. It's not a reflection of how much they love you. It's a reflection of their relationship to themselves and how they need to process something. Mm-hmm. And then I would say get help because if you've got to this point with the two of you together and you haven't been able to create a a, a way of building a bridge between you in, through communication, then somebody else would be a really good starting place to help you both feel seen and understood. Yeah. Like that intermediary medi- mediator, um, to yeah, to give you that safe space because often yeah. it can be well very difficult. It's hard to say how you're feeling, and then you know our era of being brought up, and uh, you know you didn't always share how you felt or what was going on. You just brushed it under the carpet and gone with things. But the world has opened up and, and you know, kind of rightly so. But then equally, maybe people stay together forever because they didn't talk about anything before. But then were they happy? You know? I mean, if the aim of a relationship is to be connected and intimate, mm-hmm. then that kind of setup doesn't work. Um, because... To be connected and intimate with each other means that you are sharing, sharing life, sharing emotion, sharing stuff, whatever. Like there are, I think, nine different forms of intimacy, uh, whether that's mental intimacy, physical, emotional, spiritual, um, job intimacy. You know, there's all sorts of different kind. If you're not sharing any of those together, then you are just two different, two individuals coexisting together. Mm-hmm. You know, so if communication and connection is uh, connection and intimacy is the key, then no, it does, I don't think that works. Doesn't work, does it? <laughs> no. I just I find it also fascinating that us as humans, the way we do interact with each other, the relationships we have, some things being one sided, and like even with friendships, like not necessarily a romantic relationship and there there being a need to have a level of give and take and I used to have somebody that it got to the point where I just would respond to their message and just say what do you want because I knew that they'd be after something right and I'm just after a couple of times of doing that like that slowly died away because I was like I'm not having this you only ever contact me when you want something and then like that's that's not a relationship that's you wanting something and just getting it like but going to the shop and shoplifting (laughs) it is exactly like that yeah (laughs) sure so have you noticed that 
in your work with confidence and self-confidence, have you noticed that the way that your relationships are have changed as well as a result of your work with yourself? A hundred percent. hundred percent. I won't put up with any shit at all. <laughs> and then a lot of that is coming from a place of understanding and knowing what I want and how I want my life to be. So that allows me to have better relationships with the right kind of people where I can give to them and they can give to me. And there's a balance. And sometimes it's a bit off balance because they need a bit more or, and, and I need a bit less and maybe the other way around sometimes. Um, because I've now got the confidence to say, oh, hang on, this is how I'm feeling. Like, this, this isn't right. Or mm. this is this, or actually, like, this is great. Like, thanks for a lovely day. I had a really good day with a friend I've not seen since last year. I don't talk that often. Um, and like, there was no awkwardness, no weird silences. Like, we, just, we went all over the place and just had fun and laughed and chatted. And it was just so nice. And um, whereas before that might have been, difficult or there'd be some level of something else needing to happen mm-hmm. like any any kind of external thing because I wasn't comfortable in in my own skin and my own mind to you know not need alcohol or drugs or, or whatever and yeah. being able to have nice sober days is there uh, is actually quite a beautiful place to be absolutely I think relationships with ourselves and relationships with people we want to be close to takes courage. Mm. And you can't show up in a relationship and want the best outcome and be passive. It doesn't work that way. You, it takes effort. It takes intention. It takes active participation. And there's really no way around that. If you want, it's like life. If you want to create um, a life that you absolutely adore, you need to create it. It doesn't mm-hmm. just happen for you. And it's the same with your mindset. It's the same with your behaviors. It's the same with all of the stuff that you need as a foundation and to grow is the same for the relationship too. But it does mm-hmm. take courage. Yeah. Don't you find? Oh, for sure. It really does. So obviously confidence is the underlying theme for ev- everything, absolutely everything that we do. Um, what would you say to people that are lacking in confidence to speak up and, and communicate in the way that they want to? What tips could you give them to help them with their confidence? Um, start small. Don't expect to make these big grand gestures of confidence right away like if your aim is to show up on social media and do a live don't just jump on and do a live because you're probably going to freak your nervous system out and then have a self-perpetuating situation where it says oh you see you can't do it Mm -hmm. so what I would do is start small um maybe if that is your aim is to be on social media like that then I would um probably Go and do an act of kindness for somebody else or show up in a different way for somebody else or um, do send a little video to one of your friends, somebody safe, somebody who can hold space for you. Whatever it is that you want to be more confident in, whether that's an activity or just for yourself, these are small habits 
that you build and compound over time. So you're looking for that next small step rather mm-hmm. than taking big giant leaps because they just happen on their own eventually, don't they? You can have a dream and the desire, but you're not going to take a like a BFG type stride to get there. No. It's going to be small ones, right? Otherwise, the whole big thing, it does become overwhelming and then you just don't do it. Yeah. I was explaining this yesterday. I was on a on a podcast and I was explaining how I broke down to go snorkeling because I'm terrified, was terrified of not having my feet on the ground. I love being in water and being out to sea and in boats, but going off and putting my head in the water, I'm like, well, no, right? So then I'm like, I need to break this down, otherwise I'm never going to do it. And I thought, I can't go all the way to the Cayman Islands and not go snorkeling. Like, how can I help people with their confidence if I'm not doing these things? So I broke it down step by step, <laughs> yeah. you know? I asked for help. That's the first thing. Well, at that point, I'm still not getting in the water. And then it was the next thing of the life jacket and then the next thing of getting the goggles and the next one, like all of these steps, you're still not doing the big thing. So I think that's a really great analogy and because it is just step by step. And then all all of a sudden you're doing the thing that you wanted to do and Mm -hmm. the compound effects kicked in and Mm -hmm. it's all added up. And then all of a sudden you realise, oh, holy shit, I did this. It's exactly like your um, strength training right? Your bodybuilding, you've got a vision of where you want to go to, but you're not going to do it overnight. It takes effort. It takes time. It takes courage, consistency, daily habits, mindset, all the things. They are the same things for that as in creating being the leadership in your own life to being in a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yeah. hundred percent. All the, all the same things. At the beginning, you said about people reaching their upper limits. <laughs> Yes. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Especially when it comes to emotions, right? Um, Our brains have created a sort of self-made barrier uh, around what we believe is the upper limit of what we can um, do, think, be, act. So anything outside of that, not only do we probably not believe that we can do it, but we also will come up to an upper limit and then nine times out of 10, either self-sabotage or create an emotional response, which feels like fear and therefore not go past it. It's like um, it's like being in a, if you've ever been to a, a beach where they cordoned off a little bit in the sea where you can go swimming because that's where the lifeguards are looking after you. Anything out of that, outside of that, your brain knows that it's fair game. You are shark fodder. You are able to be uh, drowned, you know, all those kind of things. Uh, If you stay inside of the net, you are safe. And that's what we create in our own heads and in our own emotions. If I stay within these thoughts, these feelings, these behaviors, then I am safe. Mm When we grow every time that we grow what happens is we reach an upper limit because we have to otherwise we don't grow and the upper limit can probably normally sounds like some sort of fear that you have uh like it's all going to go shit or i can't do it or some sort of self-limiting belief or 
you create a self-sabotage situation where you create drama, normally unconsciously, and it's your subconscious trying to keep you safe. And the more you start becoming aware of the difference between actual fear and an upper limit experience, the more you work with your central nervous system and your mentality to go, okay, is this something that is actually fearful or can I work past it? Mm -hmm. That on the other side of that is growth. Do you see what I mean? I, I, I definitely do, because if you don't reach for that limit, you're never going to get past it and you're never going to grow. That's mm -hmm. that saying, isn't it? And magic doesn't happen in the comfort zone. And, you know, we are trained to be safe, fight or flight, and keeping that safety net because of, you know, if you don't know the, the unknown, obviously we don't know the unknown, and that fear and that worry of well, what is that going to be like? I know what it's like here. And I think this is often why a lot of relationships continue yes. past their point is because they know what it's like and they don't know what it's like being on their own, yeah. being with someone new or, you know, living somewhere else or, or any of them. So if we can push through that and go, hang on a minute, I am going to take a leap of faith like you did and step outside and and be open to the exploration of what life is because mm. there's so much more to life there's so much more to life uh, and there's two things that I want to add to that the first is we've got to learn to feel comfortable with discomfort mm -hmm. and know the difference between being uncomfortable and being actually in danger because a lot of the time we imagine those two things mean the same thing and so we blanket everything with don't go there it's too scary but actually difficult conversations connection communication intimacy um going for a work dream whatever it is that you want to do happens because you are actively sitting there going all right I'm going to sit with the, my discomfort and I'm going to do it anyway so you need to be very careful about not careful but discerning learn to learn more the most about yourself to know whether it's fear or whether you're just uncomfortable and then do it anyway mm -hmm. the second point is most of us don't know how to trust our own guidance or intuition. Most of us don't know how to show up for ourselves and go, I trust my ability, no matter what happens and what the outcome is, to know that I've got my own back. And so if we can really, truly start to learn to trust our own guidance, own ability to make good decisions for us and advocate for ourselves and uh and that means looking at your feelings and emotions and your thoughts, right? Then you can, no matter what the situation is, you know you've got it. Mm -hmm. And that's what creates confidence, isn't it? It is. <laughs> and then when you have that, you have the ability to do absolutely anything you want to in life, whether that is stepping out on your own, starting a new business, ending an old one like there's so much more in like the realms of possibility when you open your mind and go okay I'm going to try this it's okay if it doesn't work at least I'm going to try yes although I do 
also like the phrase um I say a lot no we don't try here we do mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to make things happen I'm going to make things happen because as soon as you set yourself up you set yourself up for failure by saying I'm going to try like oh I'll try and make that event well either commit to it or don't yeah I like that I like that a lot but underneath that thought is this ability to trust myself to know that when it gets difficult I can keep going Mm -hmm. because I'm committed to my dream and my desire but also know when the boat's on fire uh you're like all right maybe I need to go and find another boat do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean yeah, but those are the same thing, aren't they? You're still going to do it, but it's just about making sure that you're not setting yourself on fire in the process. <laughs> <laughs> no, we definitely don't recommend setting yourself on fire. Metaphorically, no, <laughs> that's not even an option, obviously. So we've spoken a lot about relationships and connecting with yourself and with other people. What are your top tips? for really getting to know who you are and what you want and why you want it? Sit with yourself for five minutes minimum every day and ask yourself the question, how are you? And then don't bulk when the reply comes in and you don't like it. Mm -hmm. Because you cannot make any change. You cannot go after anything that you want if you're not familiar with your inner world. You can't. It's just, you're just creating somebody else's life, somebody else's vision, somebody else's, you should do this. And that's not the life I want. I'm absolutely convinced that's not the life you're creating. So start with that. Minimum five minutes, journal every single morning, get those thoughts out on paper and start to know what's running. Start Mm -hmm. to know what's going on in your head and in your heart. And after that, you can start asking yourself, all right, what do I want? And then act on it. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, nothing's ever going to happen. It's not. You could sit and manifest all you want, but unless you actually take action towards that manifestation, it's not going to happen. I sit and think about winning the lottery and all of the things that I would do with the, what is it, the whatever rollover the Euro millions is, like over a hundred million pounds. My dad said to me, years ago he said if you won the lottery you wouldn't stop working would you I said no I wouldn't either no I love what I do um but what I would do is do some different things but I sit and I think about that that's not going to happen unless I go put the lottery (laughs) yeah exactly and I don't put the lottery on so I'm not going to win the lottery lottery. Well, see, that's the whole point, isn't it? That's why it comes back to courage, because we all know that to really start to ask ourselves those questions can feel uncomfortable, especially when we've been running the other way. It's, you know, the the most often we find it easier to be um, self-reflective in our businesses because it's not it is intimate, but it's not hardcore heart intimate I mean it is but it isn't in my opinion uh but when you start to be in your relationship that's when it takes courage to Mm -hmm. show up and learn to be vulnerable to learn to be to communicate what's really going on oh my god to ask for what you want 
that's terrifying. What if somebody says no? Mm. What if they say absolutely not? What if they say, oh, now you've gone too far and I don't want to be with you? But what happens when you do, when you really stand for what you want, you have the courage to ask for what you want, and the other person goes, fuck, yes. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it makes me want to cry with the heart expansion that happens. Because in that moment, that's when pure magic is created. But it comes from courage. And how do people find the courage to ask for what they want? Uh, it's exactly like self-esteem. You start small mm-hmm. uh, and you rumble with discomfort. There's, there's really no other way. Asking for what you want whether, when you never have done that before is uncomfortable. And But you can also say that. So with my partner, he and I both came to our relationship uh shy about asking uncomfortable about asking because we we are both um very well practiced in glorified independence mm-hmm. so we are both highly independent people we are very well practiced with that and it's got its benefits but it's also got its downsides <laughs> which is asking for help or asking for something or showing up or asking for support god forbid you mm-hmm. know that kind of stuff so by saying I've had a really bad day. Um, I would really love it if you would run me a bath when I get home. And the other person says, oh, my God, I'd love to do that. And do you know what? I'm going to put in some bath bombs and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, is this real? Like, is this <laughs> happening? This is wild. What I found is for, this is specifically for the women, right? And I know you will probably, if you're listening to this, you'll probably be sick and tired of thinking that it's always down to you to make everything happen. I know that's a thing that comes up a lot with my one-to-ones. However, your man, nine times out of 10, needs instruction. I'm sorry, he does. And if you get out of the, like, and I, this is going back to what I was saying earlier, if you get out of that cycle of saying, oh, he should know what I want and be able to preempt it, and then just ask him for what you want, guaranteed it will make a big difference. Or at least it gives you both the opportunity to create a difference. Yeah. People aren't mind readers. They don't automatically know that you've had a bad day and need a bath or a glass of wine or a foot rub. You know, that'd be nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. unless you do, like, tell people, how how can we possibly expect them to know, even if you're years down the line, mm. or they should know that, well, if you don't tell them, like, they're never going to know. And that's the same for friends as well. You know, if you, um, n- recently, I had uh, something that happened that where I n- really needed to speak to my friend and um previously i would have just and she didn't um what happened she didn't ring me and i took that as a sign that she didn't care previously i would have 100% taken that as a sign that she didn't care this time i was like okay i really need to talk about it she's got a whole life as well so i'm just going to say look this has happened to me today And I'm just letting you know that if you've got the space for it, I would really love to talk to you about it. 
And she was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm totally there. Give me, give me, I think it was about 30 minutes and I've got some time and then we'll talk about it. But being able to articulate our wants and needs in that way to our relationships, mm-hmm. even our friends, you know, transforms it because that's where the bitterness again and the resentment again and the frustration again are being misunderstood and not heard and not validated. It just goes. and. You know, and the last thing I'll say about that is you're going to have to rumble with being loved, the discomfort of being loved. Sometimes that's the scariest thing of all. Mm. It is a terrifying thought. (laughs) We all think we really want it until it actually comes to creating it. And then you're like, oh, oh, God, that that challenges me in ways I wasn't expecting. Yeah. That's a whole other, um, a whole other topic, and probably a whole other episode. <laughs> it is. Um, I think. Well, and I don't think. I know we could talk all day long, um, but I do think that's a really nice way to round this up for the for the podcast. What's um, the best way for people to follow you, find you, um, online stalk you? Because we believe in online stalking, just not in person stalking. <laughs> yeah, I believe in that too. So my website is dawnlush, D-A-W-N-L-U-C-H-T dot com. And the same thing for my Instagram and Facebook. So you find me there because uh, I've got normally bright pink hair. So <laughs> that's what I say. It's Natalie Arabella Bailey. I've got long red hair. You can't miss me. So amazing thank you so much dawn if you could leave people with one tip to increase their confidence what would it be learn to be kind to yourself because from that point you will stop trying to self-sabotage yourself and you will create an opportunity for growth amazing thank you so so much and thank you to everybody that's listening and if you've enjoyed this episode please make sure to share it with your friends family colleagues loved ones and even the people that you don't like because you never know (laughs) giving sharing is caring um, and everybody needs an extra helping hand every now and then if you would also like to hear more from dawn you can join the confident entrepreneurs club where we have a second episode for you to listen to so once again thank you very much and we'll see you very soon bye